Today, we spoke with our friend Douglas Pratt about discernment, how to really listen to our inner voices and the messages that might come through while still maintaining a healthy skepticism. And we also spoke about the different ways in which spirit or source can speak to us. You can learn more about Douglas and his inner life sessions at douglaspratt.com, last name that's P-R-A-T-T. To contact myself or Lori, you can email us at spiritroadpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to Awkwardly Zen Presents Spirit Road, a podcast about our spiritual journey where we can be awkwardly ourselves. It's a path that can be funny, absurd, enlightening, and life-changing all at the same time. Join us as we explore this mysterious world and life we live in. I'm Tim Behrens. I'm Laurie Hewitt. And and this this is Spirit Spirit Road. talking about when we're first starting out on our path sometimes and we're starting to get messages about how sometimes we'll look at somebody and say you might think I'm crazy but or you'll say am I crazy I just got this message because you don't always know because we've been told hearing voices um, or seeing things is uh, not a good thing it's something bad right Right. So that's what we were talking about. Well, this is good. Well, so maybe we're already going, right? We're going to dive right into this. Apparently. Should we make it a little more formal or no? No, I think let's just go. Let's do this. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think I'm thinking about what you said. And I think the problem for folks is anything that is that we perceive as being out of the norm of experience. And that can be hearing, seeing, thinking, feeling. Those are the ones that are coming to mind. There's probably a few more on that list. If we don't think that that's what everybody else experiences, we get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's even before we share that, articulate that to anybody else. It's interesting because when I early on, when I was first receiving messages or trying to figure this all out, I was working in a mental health center back in Indiana and I was having, I mean, I was having smells. Like I, I, I think I called them olfactory hallucinations, but they weren't. I was literally smelling something. I had had this guide that had worked with me and I smelled a clear, um, when I walked into my apartment, it's like I had this whiff of tobacco, of uh, pipe smoke and there was no one in the vicinity that smoked a pipe. And so I was a little concerned because I'd not experienced that before. And so I asked one of our doctors at the mental health center, what did it mean if you were having smells that didn't relate to anything in your environment? And his response was, well, you could have a brain tumor. <laughs> I was like, oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that really encouraged you to want to share that more. Yeah, not so much at work anymore, but I really didn't know I had never had that experience before. So I didn't know what that was, but then it went away and I occasionally get those again. I'll have that. That's one of the senses I think that is the way spirit does communicate with people. I don't get it very often, but once in a while I will. And I'll be like, okay, what does this mean? And I have to stop and think, you know, is this, 
am I just making this up? Do I have a brain tumor? Did spirit trying to communicate me with, with me in some way? It's not a normal way for me to receive messages. Well, and any of those things you just said could be valid too, right? Exactly. I think that's, that's what makes this so interesting to me is that idea that, well, maybe you could have a brain tumor. <laughs> maybe you are making it up. Maybe it's a coping mechanism for something. Maybe spirit is talking to you. And that's the, that's the tricky part, I think. One is how do you, one, yeah, the challenge of how do you talk about these experiences when they happen? But also, even at the point that you become used to this idea that there's more to this reality and this life that we're living, that some of these more mystical, metaphysical experiences may be happening, how do you discern for yourself which of those things it is, but also is there some responsibility as a practitioner or someone in community to ask those questions when other people are posing those questions? I'm always looking for that balance where someone may share something and having had some fantastical experiences myself, which I fully believe were metaphysical in nature, where is that that boundary knowing that any of those things can be possible? How do you encourage someone to explore that while also encouraging them to be open to the possibility that there's some physical thing going on or there's something that might might be more destructive in nature? I don't know how to say that quite. Early Again, early on, I was working in the Mel Health Center and someone I worked with who knew that I was exploring this and starting to, to channel a little, asked one of our psychiatrists once, Kind of that quite, it's like if someone's hearing voices or getting messages, how do you know whether or not they're having an episode, like a psychotic episode or not, or kind of what's going on? And his response um, actually made me really happy. What he said was, well, I would sit with that person, talk with them and look at the totality of their life and how they were living it and how they were managing day to day. And if everything else seemed to be moving along as it needed to be, and there wasn't any other kind of odd things happening, then he would expand and look at what else could be going on. Didn't immediately say, oh, if they're hearing voices, then this is what's happening to them. He really took a, uh, a broader view of, of the situation and said, you assess the whole person in their entire life before you make a decision, which I thought coming from a psychiatrist in the Midwest in the 80s was pretty um, enlightened, actually. It's tough. It's tough to sort that stuff out. I was thinking about, for me, over the years, and one of the things that I think is my, my mm, I don't know the word to use, helps me measure the potential for it to be distorted, I think, is how attached I am to the outcome. The more attached I am to the outcome, the more I need to be very careful about what I get because I know I have a very, very high investment in that outcome. So I'm going to want to feel that or hear that. And that's where you know our ego and mind can easily get involved in that and make it pre- present as some, in, in the way we were hoping for. So when I particularly get things that are in resonance to my, my attachment, I think I have to come up with ways to, to check that, to get a, a reference point. And when I work with other folks, the same thing. I, I work with them to find reference points for them to get validation about whether that, in fact, is inaccurate or accurate. For me, I, <clears throat> I'm able to tell if a, if, if a, 
a piece is coming from my mind or it's coming from my intuition. And I literally can feel it. I can feel it coming from my head or coming from my gut. And I know that if it's coming from my gut, there's a much higher chance of it being fairly accurate. doesn't mean it is, but there's a better chance of it. But when I'm attached to something and I'm all excited, I don't do that discernment. I don't do that differential. I don't sort it out. Or I haven't. I'm better at that now. And that's when I think things get, for me, get really confused. And then I have to try and find other reference points. For me, it's other beings of light that I've worked with over enough time that I have high levels of confidence in. Mm -hmm. And so I, but I have to settle myself enough to even connect with that being to be able to get, is this in fact accurate? So that can be a whole process of its own. Yeah, there is an evolution I, I'm, I'm hearing and I'm, I'm feeling that myself when I think back on my own journey following what I refer to as a Kundalini awakening. I think other people might interpret it differently. My spiritual awakening, I do the quotes, you can't see that right now, but um, following that, I was having so many metaphysical experiences and being open to different kinds of senses and intuitions. And I would even say now what you might classify as visitations, contacts with other beings of energetic beings. I don't know what you would call it, but it was so my first reaction really having a background in psychology was really to see, am I having a break from reality? Is there something that needs to be diagnosed here? And I did go the route of seeing multiple therapists and not to say that that would be for everyone, but just, and even one that was recommended to me who was open to the idea of there being different kinds of experiences that people have, or even awakening experiences and I'm really grateful that I found the right people who actually sat with me and tried to really determine what was happening. And I like what you said, Lori, that I think they were looking at the whole picture. They were listening to, listening to me talk, listening to how I related to those experiences. And maybe even the fact that I was questioning it so much was an affirmation to them. Um, because what happened next for me is after, after a period of time, I think I went went through where I did find more of the new age community or more of the community where some of the things I was experiencing get talked about. And I remember I had a period of time where I latched onto all of it and I didn't have a lot of discernment. I was just like, it was like, like a kid in a candy store. I want to explore this, this and that. And, and I wasn't really asking those questions anymore about what my experiences were and where they were coming from. And then kind of like a swinging pendulum, eventually I ended up more back in the center where I think I was open to new ideas, but also allowing my skeptical brain a little bit of a voice to to really ask in any given situation, you know, what what is going on? And maybe that's some of what you're describing, Douglas, where I started to recognize a difference between the voices, you know, between my my ego mind and gut intuition and things that just kind of resonated with my heart and starting to recognize that each one of those voices had a character to it and then i could start to kind of sort through my experiences in such a way that i could i could acknowledge yeah some of this stuff really i need to acknowledge and embrace that it happened and some of it is more my imagination stepping in trying to make sense of what was happening and yeah but it's 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 a path and i guess that's the question too is like when someone is first on that path how do they find their community yeah I think you're right, because I think the 
as, as you, we've all had, when you share those kinds of experiences with um, the general population, you don't, it's not well received. And that is crushing to folks because then it pushes them back into their self-doubt and their confusion. And um, it's not, I don't think it's really helpful, but I think that is part of the problem. You know, I think you have to find a community that at least is willing to hear it. And then you can begin to work with discernment and figuring out what what are you getting? How accurate is it? And uh, one of the things I think about is in one of the ways I particularly know if somebody's giving me information that feels dire or it's fear based or there's something to it that feels really strident, intense. I figure the odds are low that this is actually coming from spirit. Doesn't mean I know exactly where it's coming from, but it's not coming from there because spirit never talks in those kinds of tones. It's not how they approach things. They do not use those kinds of words and you never feel that kind of tone. <laughs> Even if they're nudging really hard, it's, it's, I mean, they will, but they will do it in a form that is loving and gracious. So that's one of the things I listen for as I'm, not so much for myself anymore, but for others to try and sort out how, how's this feeling to me? What, what is the tone here? And, you know, what I was going to also say, it's backing up, is that if I decide that something seems to be coming from my intuition, then I have to go through a whole nother secondary level of sorting and discernment to decide if, in fact, my intuition is accurate. Because it doesn't mean it always is. It's more likely to be. But it can, too, get caught up in attachment and be contaminated. When it comes to spirit, I think trying to find those references, reference that give you validation is really important. And everybody has different ones. I have one client that when she's in a tough spot and says, I need to know you're really there for me, she starts seeing all these sequential numbers. Mm-hmm. And she'll see them on license plates and signs. And it's like, I mean, she'll, and she'll tell me, I saw it on this such and such car. And that, and that's a, ma- that's a major way. I think spirit shows us that they are really with us and that's helpful. And that's, that gives us solace uh, as we try to sort through this kind of stuff. The other one that I tip, I don't get numbers, but I get birds and I had a robin sit on my sit on the rail of my deck and sit there and stare at me. I mean, less than eight feet away. Birds don't do that. They 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 are gone. And it sat there and it stared with at me for I don't know longer than a minute. And I thought, oh, this is spirit. I mean, it has to be. It's just such an unusual behavior. And the other one that I get from clients is having. Uh, it's usually particularly birds of prey. <laughs> flying really close to their windshields as they're driving and birds of prey are big and they're pretty easily identified. And again, knowing that this isn't what birds normally do, especially a bird of prey, they're not going to be anywhere near a car. It's moving with a windshield. Um, and of course they do it very, very easily. No, they're not harmed. The point being, again, it's another marker for them that there's a connection here to spirit. I've absolutely experienced that specifically with the birds of prey. Yeah. And it's something interesting. Like when it happens, I think someone could come back and say, well, you're just looking for that. They're there all the time. And it's true that they are, but also 
what's interesting, and I think anyone who has experienced synchronicity will notice, is it's not just that they're there. It's not just that you see them, the numbers or the birds or whatever it is. It's also if you can have that awareness of saying, what was happening in my thought process, right, as that happened? You know, if you can start to equate that moment in time and what's happening in your internal world to what you see in the outer world, there's something going on there. It's 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 a stronger connection than one can just call coincidence. I have to say that I don't on a routine basis have crows fly right at my head. And when spirit is really intensely trying to get my attention, I will walk out my door. And while there are a lot of crows in the area a lot, they're never usually that close to me. And I will have them flying literally right at my head. And then at the last second, swoop up over me. Because I'm sitting there thinking, okay, are they going to hit me? And then, of course, they they move on and don't. But I always know that that's a very clear message of pay attention to something. We're trying to give you a message. So It's, it's so interesting to think about animals being messengers yeah. you know you hear this about birds like that that that, mm-hmm. that is a way that people receive messages and of course the animals having significance in a lot of different traditions and earth-based religions and all of that but then also thinking about um what is that what does that mean how is spirit able to come to us in those ways and i don't have the answer but when i think about it it really does speak to like our interconnectedness and then what even sometimes I try to extrapolate to the idea that spirit speaks to us through the people who are around us as well, that we are all interactive, that we are all messengers for this experience that we've chosen to have, spirit having human experience. And how lovely is it when we can recognize that in each other, when we can see that, that our crossing of paths has meaning, that people are sharing things that we need to hear in that moment, or we may be sharing things they need to hear, right. and that mm-hmm. that is source working through us and working through them. Well, and I was going to say the other thing for me has been on my journey is finding those folks that can I can I can safely say, you know, I got this message or somebody said this to me the other night in my head and run it past someone, and then they can help me kind of figure out, was that me just kind of having a fantasy or making this up? Or is it my mind and ego? And they can also help me figure out that was spirit talking to you, you know, and, and help me discern the difference. And I've had those people really throughout my journey. And that's been so helpful just to have that, those relatively few people at the beginning that I could talk to about it, you know, and share those things with. When Douglas and I started working together, I knew I could trust him to discern and help me discern when it was coming from mind and ego and when it was really spirit that I was channeling. So I was able to figure out that difference. So I have a question for both of you, because I know that you both come from a traditional background in, in some of your work before you're doing what you do now. And do either of you have a memory of a point where you started talking about these experiences and these insights and that you were having where you were not well-received? Because I know that that's a big fear for people, but also, too, even in my own experience, I, I, I think the fear is bigger than the reality. Like, in most cases, when I talk about things, people are able to relate on some level or another. I think that's true. I think that we project that out. I did have a situation once when I was in a, a, a psychiatric uh, a case review, 
And I wasn't thinking what I was doing. And I just said it. I said, well, this, this patient has such a, this is what's going on with this patient. And I delineated it very clearly. And the psychiatrist looked at me and says, well, how do you know that? (laughs) And then I thought to myself, oh, I have just gone out on thin ice. Because it came through my intuition, of course. Mm. So needless to say, I made sure that that never happened again. Mm. I shut it down. That was too, that was too shameful. It's too embarrassing because you do not speak to a man of science about intuition. That was not acceptable. Right. You can have them, but that's not something that you stayed in the level of (laughs) truism that I was speaking. (laughs) And that it was incredibly accurate. (laughs) Well, yes, it was, but it it did. It was irrelevant. I mean, that was the sad part because what was relevant is that my information, I didn't have a, I couldn't build a whole construct to that information. And so of course it really was uh, not relevant. Wouldn't that be amazing? And and I think it is amazing. And I think I see it in the, in your practices and the things that you do. If there was truly a balance where people could use both science and intuition together, you know, where, where both could be equally valid in the sense of trying to help people and get, you know, get to the root of the problem. I think in some ways we may be moving more toward that. I think a lot of, of therapists, a lot of mental health providers are opening up more to the possibility that there's more than the DSM diagnoses and what they've been taught and opening up to the possibility of their clients having intuition, having connection with something greater than themselves. And they, the, the practitioner, the therapist is also, I think, opening up and allowing their own intuition to step forward, which I think is, is going to expand things for folks and will allow people who are struggling with life, but then also starting to receive messages from beings that nobody can see and help find someone that can help them discern the difference and help them navigate that a little bit as they learn how to cope with their life perhaps a little better and also then how to tune in and and receive guidance from that inner knowing from spirit and i think that's happening more and more honestly i remember uh going to a doctor i was having a issue with my with my throat and had gone to probably probably three or four doctors at that point actually and they had exhausted a lot of the possibilities about what was going on it eventually ended up being probably something that was allergies and and I I was able to receive treatment for that but I remember going to the general practitioner and telling him about all of the different people I'd seen and where I was at and how I was just frustrated and a little lost and still having problems with my throat and he I don't remember exactly what he said but he was like well normally I would send your referrals up to the front desk but and he kind of reaches quietly over to a drawer, opens the drawer and pulls out this pad of paper and he writes down a name on it. And it was a a Chinese medicine practitioner, energy worker. He was like, you know, I've been doing medicine for 30 years, but some of these folks have been doing it for 10,000 years. And he was like, maybe, you know, if, if this route is not working for you, you should consider something else. And it was so clear to me in that that he was 
doing something that he believed in, you know, that might be a valid thing, but he was also having to do it in a way where he was working back channels, so to speak, you know, he couldn't mm -hmm. send that to the front desk. And I just thought that was so very telling, just wondering how many people are out there who are starting to integrate these different East and West ideas, energy and physicality and spirit and body, and even how our emotions can affect our physical health, how we carry trauma in our in our energetic systems. Even coming back to people having spiritual experiences for the first time, I I think about biblical stories of the you know the the burning bush or the parting of the seas, things like that. That that some people will take very literally and very um, they think it happens. But if someone were to tell you the story of having contact in in an office place or you know next to a water cooler conversation at work or something, whatever it might be that it's hard for us to integrate that. And yet I have this feeling that we are all kind of walking around in a crowd, all with these collective individual experiences of metaphysical things that don't fit into our current paradigm. But it's like when we talk about it as being a modern thing, it's very hard for some to accept that that's actually happening. Right. Right. You know, one of the things that I think about and I just want to put this out is that spirit knows the difficulty of us sorting through this. Mm -hmm. So spirit usually takes low key positions on things, things that are, don't have a lot of attachment to them to begin with helping us get oriented to uh, spirit. And that is one of the, I think the most consistent approach Though, Tim, needless to say, you would say it was a little different for yourself <laughs> all at once. Right. Um, but I think typically it, it is more incremental, or it has been anyway, so that you can begin to get a similar, get it comfortable with that idea and begin to bring that into your consciousness and, and awareness. Because if it, if it becomes too um, fantastical, I think our first reaction is to ignore it mm -hmm. is 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 to decide yeah i am being crazy and i don't want to be crazy and we're just not going there right. did you find that happen for you tim and you were just forced that you couldn't take that tact or did that not come for you i don't know if i've ever told the story in here but i mean i had a point in time when i was going through all of those energetic changes and things where i had gotten to a point where it was just so much I remember laying in bed one morning, kind of speaking to the air, saying, you know, spirit, whatever, that how I felt a little bit abandoned in, in, in the craziness of this rabbit hole that I had been down and how I wanted to go back and just convince myself that none of it was happening. And, mm -hmm. and I was saying to the air, I was like, you know, this is where I'm at. This is what I want to do. And if that's not what you want me to do, Listen to me making all these demands. If that's not what you want me to do, I need a sign and I need it to be big and I need it to be now. And this is a long story, but and I don't know if the punchline is going to fit into what I just shared. But what happened in that moment after saying that, finishing that thought, my phone rang and it, or dinged and it was a text message from someone I had met in a paradigm shift group who I had never communicated with outside of that group. He'd never texted me directly before. And, and the message was something along the lines of, I can sense something is going on with you right now. I don't know what it is. And I'm sorry you're struggling. 
I don't know what to say, but maybe my guides have something to share to, with you. He, he channeled. He was a, he was an artist who channeled, like channeled his poetry and things. And I swear that the email that followed could not have spoken more directly to what I had just said to the air. And it was so overwhelming. I just wept. I didn't know what else to do because in some ways having that happen was not as comforting to me as having nothing happen and saying, oh, I'm just going to convince myself that none of this is real. Right. Um, I knew it. Right. But and I, I think for me, I had such a skeptical mind that when I think about spirit and the ways that it, it knows that these challenges, I think that the intensity of my experience had to be that. If it had been anything else or anything less, I would have found a way to disregard it. Right. And then I, and, you know, and then I asked the question. So if that's the case, and it had to be that way, then why is it that I need to be open to these things? What does that really mean for me, and my path, and my reason for being here? And I think it's, you know, probably the same answer that so many of us in community have come to, is that we're really in a time where things are shifting, and there are people who are discovering these gifts because they need to be in community because they need to be a support to others who are having the same experiences and and collectively we're evolving toward what i don't know but did that i don't know if that what was the question (laughs) (laughs) you did really well (laughs) i was trying yeah i mean we all and i think your, your 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 story underlines the fact that at the end they all are very individual personal experiences. They're individualized. There is no cookbook way. If you do this, this, and this, you got it. It might be for that particular person if you know them well enough, but you cannot go beyond that. I'm aware that a lot of times what I do with clients is I press and press them to use their intuition, their gut. And I, because I know that in the end, that is the connection to spirit. So I know that if they'll listen to it more, they'll be more accurate than not. And to pay attention, if you're feeling an inclination in a certain direction and it continually comes from your gut, pay attention to it. And if you're still having questions and say to spirit, show me, give me validation, show me this is the real deal. And what I find is that spirit will then manifest things that are very personal to that person that are very individualized. And in the moment, I'm not pulling any up because they are very much to them and they know that it's way out of norm and they, and that they'll pay attention to it. So my, what I'm trying to say is in the end, it's a collaboration. They will work with us um, if we allow that. And we have to ask, they won't throw it at us. We have to ask them to do that because otherwise they generally won't. Mm-mm. Unless it's an emergency, I think. Right, because they, when they have to honor free will. They do. I mean, when I've asked for those confirmations, I get the birds flying at my head or staring at me in the window, or I get music. You know, I'll get, I'll turn on the radio mm. at times when I don't normally turn on the radio in the car, and there'll be a specific song, and I'll just start laughing because it's exactly the message that that I had heard earlier and wasn't sure about. And now it's being sung in a different way at a song. And it's like, okay, I get it. Like when I was trying to decide about retirement, I wasn't sure. I was like, should I do this? And it wasn't even Christmas time. And I turned on the radio and I immediately heard 
the hallelujah song that normally you hear at Christmas. And I just started laughing. It's like, okay, I get it now. It was like the angels singing to me, like, what more do you need? (laughs) (laughs) And that spoke to you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's what's so important. It's just like your friend's uh, text speaking. You knew, you, you knew it's like, oh, well, I guess I asked for it. And here we go. Right. Yeah. I mean, spirit does give us those answers when we ask directly for them, but then it's up to me to pay attention to it. Yes. Yeah. And that's part of what I give guidance to folks is I say, listen, ask for them to show you, but you have to then pay attention and look for something on, just be open to something unusual. That's all. You don't have to be hypervigilant, but you need to not move, move back to the blinders again, because then you'll miss it. Mm-hmm. Thinking of discernment, um, just that idea, I've always loved that idea that, and I've heard it often in terms of, of God, but source, whatever word you might use, but that prayer is speaking to God, putting an intention into the universe, whatever you might say, and things like meditation are listening for that answer, that that's, there, there's that big aspect of, like you say, if you ask for something, you have to be willing and open to hearing an answer. And also some of that, like meditation, is creating space from the stories we tell ourselves so that whatever comes through is actually what we need to hear and not some expectation that our ego has or some mm-hmm. desire or want that our our mind and imagination makes up. That the more we can come in touch with that space, that observer behind the stories, the more we can be open and receptive to discernment. Um, I just want to thank you both for being here. Thank you for coming by, Douglas. And Yeah. Absolutely. Was it's been my pleasure to rattle on. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do it again. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you.